really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, results, great interviews, and just so much more all about the World Rugby Union. As always, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game all over the globe. Today, we have a very special bonus episode featuring a brand new guest. Today, we are joined by Elena from Exeter Chiefs for Change. So for any of my listeners who don't know, uh, one of the clubs in the Gallagher Premiership is called Exeter Chiefs. The moniker Chiefs has been with them throughout their entire storied history, but in 1999, they rather confusingly decided to adopt Native American imagery into their brand. Uh, they made their logo a Native American chieftain in full headdress. They brought in Big Chief, a tomahawk swimming, swinging cartoon-like mascot, introduced their fans to the tomahawk chop, and encouraged things like wearing headdresses at their games. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> they have come under a lot of fire for this. And many people began calling for them to eliminate their rather heavy-handed cultural appropriation. So much like with Dan Snyder of the Washington, D.C.-based NFL team, ownership of the club was very resistant to making any changes. That was when, in June of 2020, Exeter Chiefs for Change came about. This is an organization of fans of the club who continue, uh, who hoped to convince them to change their branding. They used online petitions, they got in touch with Native American groups, and generally did everything they could to encourage change for the better. Incredibly, it worked. <laughs> so just recently, it was right at the end of January, I think, the club suddenly put out a fantastic video promoting their new direction, adopting the imagery of traditional warriors from their own rich history, and frankly, it's awesome. So I sat down with Elena to talk about the whole process, and it was really an informative chat. Um, FYI, we had some issues with the sound right at the top, so I ended up editing that out. Uh, because of that, you won't hear us do our little introductions, and you'll find we're jumping right in with our discussion of Exeter as a club to be admired, and I think you're going to just really enjoy it. So all that being said, let's get right to it. So, the, so they are a team that's gone from almost nothing to having it all. Um, they, for me, on the outside, they managed to sort of capture fans' imaginations with, with that story of sort of doing things the hard way, getting to where they wanted to be through hard work and, you know, just a, a never-say-die attitude. Um, that year they took down the Saracens. It, it felt like a collective sigh of relief for everybody um, that the evil empire had finally gone down. Yes, definitely. And I, that's one of the like, great things is like they really have gone from being sort of a small community club to really rising their way up in the premiership to, you know, winning the premiership for the first time to then winning um, in Europe for the first time um, in the 2020 season. So like that sort of rags to riches story is very much one that is Exeter's story. They really, through kind of a lot of work within the community, um, investment from local businesses, that real buy-in from the people around them have really grown into like a multi, you know, million pound club who are achieving really great success. Um, it, it's weird though. So from the outside, the narrative seemed to shift very quickly. It was like, when the Chiefs took down the Saracens to win the Prem, it was everyone was like, yay, the ding-dong, the witch is dead, and now we have these new people to celebrate. But it seemed very short-lived. It seemed like uh, public sentiment turned a fairly quickly after that, and I think most of that had to do with their branding. Is that something that you noticed at the time, or how do you think the public opinion sort of changed? Yeah, I mean, so it's Saracens are kind of the bad guys of the Prem, right? So, like... They were the kind of unbeaten ones. And actually, as a Glasgow fan, they're also our bad guys because they keep knocking us out of Europe. Consistently <laughs> knocking us out of Europe. They keep getting them. And they keep knocking us out. And now Exeter are doing that too. Um, but I think, um, yeah, there'd been sort of conversations about Exeter's branding um, for a long time. I think, you know, when we started formalizing the campaign, you know, when we were looking back to see if anything kind of formal had been sort of done before. Um, there were articles and, and blogs from different kind of rugby groups and um, Native Americans living in the UK going back to like 2015, 2016. Um, and then so that that conversation was kind of, we saw what was happening in the States, we saw the protests that were happening there. And it was kind of being picked on on like, oh, actually, the branding in Exeter is very, very, very similar. They're mm. doing the same 
thing they you know they do the tomahawk chop you know they have the headdresses you know and if it's such a problem in the states that people are, are protesting against it then how is it any different what they're doing here but maybe there just wasn't that kind of vocal opposition and then I think as more and more teams in the state started rebranding or, you know, announcing that they were going to retire their branding. So thinking about like the Washington's football team, um, thinking about the kind of ongoing campaign with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, the Atlanta Braves and so on. I think that conversation, as that conversation grew, so did kind of our awareness of that conversation. But also rugby was trying to break through in America, like trying to mm. break through and so suddenly you had more people watching rugby here because you know we've got really great teams of you know in the UK and so there was then more American voices kind of coming into that conversation of like actually it isn't any different interesting um, what Exeter's doing is still wrong and then you know Saracens as the sort of I guess the bad guys of, of pr the Prem you know then got relegated because of um you know the <laughs> salary cap and so and everyone's all like, oh, yes, Saracens are gone. Woo, you know, hooray. And, and then it was like, okay, but can we now discuss the elephant in the room? Yeah. Like, you know, so yes, yay Exeter. You know, they've done such an amazing job. You know, their links to the community are amazing. They're playing really exciting rugby. You know, they're fab. But can we talk about the thing, the really big thing about them that's really, really awful? <laughs> um, I think, um, yeah, I mean, like conversations, it then like it became something that people would almost like joke about, right? Like, so as I said, you know, Saracens used to always be the ones that was not Glasgow of Europe, and now mm. it's Exeter. And I remember, you know, seeing stuff like, you know, I'm a massive rugby fan, but I'm also like an activist, like I'm one of those like woke lefty snowflakes that you hear about on the news like that is me <laughs> you know I work for a charity like I am absolutely one of those people and you know so I've known about it and I've been tweeting about it and I got into trouble tweeting about it and, you know people extra fans didn't particularly like me and then all of this stuff and it just slowly started to become like you know more and more like in the rugby world like we know that there's an issue with Exeter you know, mm. so I would remember like we'd be playing Exeter and there'd be like people in sort of the Scottish rugby community who would make like cultural appropriation bingo sheets like for us traveling to Exeter, like score this off if you hear the Tom Holt chop, like there's a bar called, you know, the Mohawk bar, you know, like get a pint here, score that off your bingo sheet. So it became kind of, you were like, oh, everyone became like aware that the branding was not really that cool. And then, so I think that it was in 2020, so obviously 2020, the sort of pandemic, obviously one of the things, but also um, Black Lives Matter really like sort of came back and became massively sort of widespread and everyone was talking about issues of race. And one of the things that happened was that the English Rugby Union wanted to do a review of the fact that English rugby fans sing Swing Low Sweet Chariot you know Ugh. is an appropriate song for rugby fans to be singing and actually how do black players in the English squad feel about that song being sung yeah and so when we kind of saw this me and my friend um Mary who's also a, a Glasgow fan um and a black woman we were like I think we should get ourselves into a bit of trouble do some tweeting about this and be like <laughs> if if English rugby are wanting to look into racism and in rugby in England you can't do that without looking at extra chiefs mm. because you know i think there was like a great thing of like um <clears throat> sort of black lives matter and not your mascot being like movements and solidarity with each other you know right right and so we were like well if this is a conversation that is rightfully being had then we really ought to be having this conversation about extra chiefs mm. and we weren't the only people out there being like if if we're now going to like take accountability for issues of racism in rugby there's a massive issue here that we need to deal with and so we we and other people had started like tweeting about it and then it got picked up by a couple of rugby blogs rugby websites saying oh you know the, the extra issue is back you know <laughs> people are talking about the extra issue again and I think this has gone on for like maybe a week a couple of weeks and then um, we were kind of just like I think it was um, Ben Jenkins, um, who's part of our group, was like, do you know what, actually, I think there's enough of us now to start a campaign group. Because like, we'd all like linked in with each other. So I think there was like seven of us at the start. And we were like, I think 
we've got the people and the commitment and like people were on furlough as well so like they were like mm. I'm not doing anything with my day yeah I'm not on the extra chiefs and so yeah so like literally I think Ben was like I think enough of us together now let's set up like a Twitter group um to uh you know like let's formalize something let's start a petition and so I think we set up the Twitter group we launched the petition the next day over the course of that kind of week we got up to like a thousand signatures um, we invited another couple of people who we saw being very vocal on Twitter to kind of come and join. And then we realized that we sort of started gaining momentum and we're like, okay, like this is actually, this could actually happen. Cause then mm. their ex have said they were going to do that initial review right. um, back in the summer of 2020. And we're like, okay, maybe we should move off of Twitter. And so we set up a Slack channel and literally the whole campaign has been ran by us none of us who knew each other before with the exception of me and Mary um, and Ash who started the petition and their girlfriends total strangers and we've just run this whole campaign using slack and never met until last weekend oh really oh wow yeah. oh that's amazing now the as you mentioned we had a very similar thing here with the the, the NFL team in Washington and their owner you know has to me, he's just doubled down and tripled down on it when they when they eventually basically said, you have no choice, you're going to change this. His response was, okay, then we're just the Washington football team. Like he waited, yeah. he, he made us all wait two years to announce a new name. And I, I'm, I'm convinced that was just him sort of sticking his middle finger up being like, <laughs> here you go, Wokies, here's, you know, yeah. Ha have fun calling us the, the professional football team for two years. Yeah. Um, but from the chief's point of view, do, do you feel like most of the resistance you encountered was from the ownership or was it just fans who just don't like the idea of change? It, you know, if you're used to something and you went out and bought the headdress, you probably think, hey, why am I not allowed to wear this thing anymore? Um, did you get most, uh, you know, slack back from just fans who were being vocal or from the ownership themselves who were saying this is not in the cards? Um, so probably a mixture of both, but it's probably important to say that we had basically little to no communication with the leadership of the club that was my impression I, I got the impression that they just basically were just zipped it and didn't say anything yeah. so we sort of did the petition um we sent over when they announced that they were going to have that initial board review we sent over sort of like a dossier of information that we mm. compiled um we delivered like a printed copy of the petition to sandy park and we know that they were received, but that is the only communication Interesting. that we ever had with the club. So we didn't know the outcome of the sort of members meeting that they had back in November. We didn't know that they were announcing a rebrand until we saw it on Twitter. Um, so in terms of like the pushback, any communication, Exeter had basically been saying no comment on this issue for years and we managed to force them to make two statements you know the first one in 2020 which was we're going to retire big chief the sort of I was gonna I was gonna ask about that when, when did that come out that was 2020 so that was like the first win okay that was about six weeks after we launched our campaign so was we, that the moment that you thought you thought I've got real hope for this like we we can do this it was a mixture of like that's amazing that we've managed to achieve this in such a short amount of time and also just are you joking that's all you're going to do <laughs> <laughs> and like did you think that this was going to make us go away well, well can, can i ask you about because the they got rid of big chief and there was like a yeah a light sigh of relief i think but then there was the absolute debacle tom o'hawk Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's yeah. almost it's almost unbelievable can you tell my listeners uh, how, what happened with their what was it their mascot for five minutes and then they pretended it never happened was that it yeah basically so yeah so in yeah summer of 2020 obviously middle of the pandemic there was no spectators allowed in grounds anyway for rugby even when rugby restarted you know we didn't get back to like live sport until last year really and for years and years, the Extra Chiefs mascot was, you know, your cartoon Native American. He had a headdress, he carried a, a tomahawk and, you know, he led everyone in the tomahawk shop. The very first victory of the campaign was to get rid of him. And so they were speculating for ages about, you know, what are they going to do for like a mascot? You know, what are they going to get? And then they brought in this kind of like bird of prey 
in like an Exeter kit and they were like here's our new mascot that we absolutely definitely haven't named and then it was like leaked somewhere that the mascot was called Tomahawk and we were like are you joking me it honestly does sound like a joke it it, it sounds like somebody proposed it and they were like oh yeah imagine if we did that and we still don't know if that was ever true because someone was like, oh, it was like Tony Rose, like nephew or, or someone like a child somehow related to the leadership of Exeter Chiefs who was like, wouldn't it be funny if it was called the Tomahawk? And, and uh, yeah, and they were like, and then people were like, oh no, it's not, it's just a hawk called Tom. And then they've basically just pretended that never happened. <laughs> we have no idea what will happen. Like, so the, when the new branding comes into play, we have no idea what will happen if Tomahawk or Tom, the <laughs> unknown bird of prey, will remain the mascot or whether he will let him be retired. He'll, he'll, he'll just don a, a Pictish helmet of some sort. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. I just, so I only literally in the last few weeks have realized that every premiership team has mascots. They, uh, yeah. you, they just don't really show them in the broadcast at least with the versions of the broadcast i see here and it's yeah. only like during uh what was it there was a saracens game two weeks ago and mm-hmm. during the starting lineups they had sort of a wide shot of the field and i noticed this weird creature yeah. out in the field and I was, <laughs> well, so i finally looked it up and sure enough it's the, they have a, a camel what is it yes. and then i was like does everybody have that and sure enough every yeah. single team have mostly uncreatively named mascots yes, like absolutely like, like yes. shark, Sharky the Shark in sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think because the mascots are more to like for like the kids, maybe yeah. to get the crowd going. You know, it's a fun thing. It's not, yeah, cool. it's not. Like Sorry. I haven't seen Glasgow's one in years. I don't know what he's up to. We've got, <laughs> we've got uh, uh, Clyde named after the River Clyde, which goes through Glasgow. He's a Highland cow, so Clyde the Coo. I've got no idea where he is. I think when oh. he never came back. Because I, I don't know what's happening with him. Yeah, I've never seen any URC mascot of any kind. Well, actually, no, the, the South African teams seem to be a little more proud yeah. of their mascots. But yeah. I've, ne- I've never seen a Scottish ma- mascot yeah, of no. any kind. And Edinburgh have like a reindeer called uh, Flinty, I think. Really? Who hasn't been out in years. Not that I noticed, but then they did some like triumphant return of Flinty. So I don't know, maybe <laughs> they did the whole thing like it was a new signing that their mascot was coming back. So I don't know, maybe, that, maybe that's going to be a thing now. <laughs> I'm starting to think I need a whole separate podcast just for the mascots. I honestly think you do. I think that could be so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was the first thing, Um, getting rid of Big Chief. Then they sort of fumbled about in the dark for a while. And then, and then there was or that. Maybe. We don't know because oh, yeah, <laughs> they seemed to fumble about while we were in the dark, I guess. Yeah. And, and then they announced that they were going to have a meeting with their their overall membership. I assume that meant yeah. like their season ticket holders and their whatever the people who spend the most money on them. And yeah, I, no, no, slightly different. So Extra oh. Chief is a membership body. Okay. So you they have I think it's about a hundred members, and these are people that have paid to be members of the club. So it, you, there's like a probably like a 10 year waiting list to become a member. So technically the club is owned by the members and oh, wow. Ford and Tony Rowe are accountable to the membership. Well, okay. So it was my impression that they were like, okay, we're going to call a meeting with our membership. They're probably going to agree with us. And that way we can turn around and say, hey, everybody, leave us alone. We yeah. all feel the same way. And then that did not go that way. The members were overwhelmingly it, like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's time for a change. It backfired spectacularly. Yeah. And, and so that caused the ownership to sort of say, oh, OK, uh, well, we're thinking about it. And we'll we'll probably take that under advisement. And then they kind of hemmed and hawed. And I think that was well, all again, I heard. We have and, no idea. We have no idea because they didn't <laughs> release a statement. They didn't release a statement. They literally were like, yes, yeah, so a meeting happened, uh, but we've got no further comment to make. So weird. And, I know. And then about two or three hours after that statement, which was basically, we will not be saying anything else. There's a journalist in the UK whose name is Robert Kitson. And he wrote a, a book about, and I'm like totally plugging this guy's book, but anyway, <laughs> he wrote about Exeter and about their rise you know from a club to like the fantastic club that they are now and so he had an article in the Guardian saying that um the members were overwhelmingly in favor of change 
And so there's no way that someone at Exeter hadn't told him that. There's okay. no way he would have reported on that if Tony hadn't been like, yeah, okay, like you can do the article. So we were like, okay, so I think we won. And then they made us wait like, I don't know, th three months. <laughs> and then they just tweeted that really amazing video, you know, yeah. branding. But it was like, what? <laughs> What? What? I was in a meeting at work and I, my Slack started going mad and I was like, oh, what's happened? What's happened? I was like, oh, they've rebranded. <laughs> That's a surprise. It was so out of the blue. It's weird, too, because you, you'd almost think there should have been lead up like they, they would want, you'd think, to sort of take some credit like, hey, look, everybody, you you yeah. asked us for change and we listened and uh, oh. coming soon is going to be our big announcement. And they went yeah. right, they skipped all that when they, they could have, like they probably could have drummed up some good press for themselves and maybe created some anticipation. And yeah, I mean, and not, I not, not thing, gonna complain, but. No, I know that's the thing, like that's what we've all been like. We've like, we don't wanna complain, <laughs> but actually, you know, all of this time, like we really wanted to run, like in the early days of the campaign, there was a lot of arguing and horrible conversations and name calling and, you know, people were so emotional about mm. it and we were like this isn't sustainable like we can't run a campaign based on fighting all the time mm. so we really like when it like after Big Chief was retired and we were like okay so now we need to step back because actually we're in it for the long haul now mm. um, hopefully not as long as it took Washington but we are now in this for the long haul so we really wanted to build a very positive campaign mm. a campaign that was based on the opportunity to engage with the community to have a branding that truly is reflective of Exeter, of the history of Devon, um, that really engages people in their local history and, you know, and also isn't all of the bad things that it is and all of the bad things that this kind of branding does and is proven to do to Indigenous communities. And it was around that time that we then linked up with the group Natives in the UK. So that's how we met Leandra and Tony um, and Steph and Nick and, all. you know, we did that Q&A session with them right back at the start. And so we very much had kind of like the two sort of things of the campaign, which were one that was about that educational piece about actually why this is so dam damaging to indigenous communities, but also that wouldn't it be so great if we could do something really good for our club and have a club that's truly, you know, reflective of its greatness and everything that it does, that there isn't the, oh, extra great team, but what about that brand in though? You know, extra are such a great community club shame about the branding you know so mm. we really tried to sort of have that and you know we've been saying along and it's it's quite funny now like on our website we've got this page which is called the drawing board right and it was like made up of all of these um sort of artists who had because we had sort of said you know actually because chiefs is a historical name for the club like they just need to they don't even have to drop the chiefs they can right. just you know go for a, a, a local chief a different chief right. um, and so like based on that idea, we had artists sending in their own like impressions and all of them were based on like, you know, this Iron Age chief and like mm -hmm. and suddenly they did it. <laughs> and we were like, like, that's great. But also it's quite funny scrolling through that page. Cause it's like, have they just gone onto our drawing board? <laughs> have they just sent the link to a designer and said, just something based on this, please. Cause like literally <laughs> like so many just like heads in the helmets, you know, sort of side profile. Uh, not that, of course, that we get any credit for that at all, um, or have even been mentioned in any of the official communications. Of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, we, we, we know. We, we know that we've, we've put the idea there. So do you feel like with the fans and the people who were especially combative on Twitter, for instance, do you think you have managed to change minds or do you think people are like, oh, screw it, I give up? Uh, probably a mix of the two. Mm. So I think... Um, there were sort of, yeah, I mean, there were some people whose minds you're never going to change. Mm. Right? And we accept that, um, you know, for they think that we're just, and I am, you know, but, you know, woke, snowflake, <laughs> social justice warriors who are just looking for a target and just want to rip down the eve of the great British empire and whatever. Obviously, that's 100% who I am, but not reflective of everyone in the group, of course. <laughs> um, but they, yeah, I think so those people were never going to change their mind, were really upset and angry at the club to caving to our demands and 
you know, adhering to cancel culture and all of this stuff that we see banded about. But a significant number of, you know, fans as well were like, you maybe we shouldn't have this branding you know maybe they, they did you know so i think of people like chris bentley who um is a former extra player who works for the club in like corporate who did an, an interview um in the guardian talking about how you know back in the early days of the branding he would teach people how to do the tomahawk chop and you know because this was this was about thing it was about building the fan base around mm. Getting people excited about rugby in that, like the very start of Exeter's growth, and and he was one of the people who at the start was very much like, you know, this is never going to change. It doesn't need to change. But and he's done kind of like a total one eighty on that based on his own research. And so that you know, so there's people like that who have sort of read resources and done their own thing and understood a bit more about where the whole not your mascot campaign is coming from. And you know, so that's you know, if he's one person out there who's quite open about it, then there's other people like him. But then I do have to say that in those um, later days, there was a like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna wear them down. We're gonna wear like this is now our tactic. We're gonna wear them down until the only choice they have is to rebrand because they're so sick of us. So so yeah. So there's definitely some people who didn't think that we should change, but are delighted that the argument is over. Are excited mm. that there's a new brand, which means new merch, which means yeah. you. Know, and it means the end of this conversation. Um, yeah, so yeah, so it was like a mix of like some people who think we're the worst people to ever exist and think that we should be financially responsible for the cost of the rebrand um, and should be banned from Sandy Park. And then other people who are, you know, glad that it's changed because this conversation's over. I think there was a shift in attitude. Um, some for, you know, they now agree that it's time to have moved on from that branding and some because they're just delighted that it means we'll finally shut up. Well, and the, the new branding is really good. Like the video they, they created around it, like uh, I was really hyped up. I, I think it's, I think ultimately people will probably be happy with it. I think it's a, a much cooler logo in a way. It's a cooler logo. It really started a conversation about like the history of the area. I really wish I'd like practiced the word, the tribe, the name of the tribe is like the Dumnonii. I think I might have actually nailed that on the first go. Um, so, you know, like people like learning about that, the history of the area and learning about the tribes that were there. And that's like cool. That's quite exciting, you know, yeah. to have something that is so reflective of the area. And I think that the video did such a great job of that, about really thinking about the history of the club and like actually the history of the club is being called the Chiefs, right? right. Actually, how do we like merge that history in a way that is A, not offensive and harmful, to like a group of you know marginalized people um and is celebrating your history and celebrating your community it does seem like a double win to me it does it's just like a no-brainer right which is why i'm so glad they've done it so glad they've done it and i think um yeah it shouldn't have taken this long but um i think given we probably did the whole campaign in about I don't know, 20 months probably from conception to rebranding. I'd say that's a pretty pretty good win. Pretty good yeah. um, thinking how long it's taken some of the other teams. I mean, Kansas still haven't changed. Atlanta still haven't changed. So, you know, that those campaigns are ongoing. Yeah. What was I just going to ask? The, um... oh, I totally lost my train of thought there. Sorry. But, um... oh yeah, the, um... and this this might be completely off the wall, but like I mentioned early on, like I think most people expected Exeter to be right at the top of the league again this year. They they seemingly have the talent. They should be up there. Right now they're sitting at seventh. Um, even Sale, who started the season pretty poorly, are ahead of them now. Um, I theorized on this pod that maybe it's a little bit of the stink of all this nonsense going on. Um, so it's completely quasi-mystical nonsense I'm sure that like you know the obstinacy of the ownership would somehow influence yeah. the players performance but is it possible like the players have to be aware there's this controversy yeah. they have to be aware that their employer has really stuck his foot feet in the mud and said no 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 I don't care about this I'm not changing is it possible that it had a, an effect on performance of the club I mean I'm not sure I think you know well certainly people have put that on us um mm. that we need to stop because we're affecting the performance of the club. Um, 
I mean, we've been blamed for literally everything. There was a totally wild one the other day. I can't remember what it is. I'll find it where someone blamed us for something. We're like, what? <laughs> How is that? <laughs> um, but um, I think, um, I mean, it, yeah, it's impossible. You, you know, no one exists in a vacuum. And it's impossible to have played for the club and not be aware of the conversations that are happening about, about the club and about the identity. Yeah, it seems like just in their personal lives, more and more, it's likely that somebody would say, hey, by the way, what do you think about this? And suddenly yeah. it's a conversation they're forced to have. And maybe Absolutely. they, and you know how players are, I'm sure they'd like to, I'm sure a lot of them took the line like, I'm not a politician. I just want to play yeah. rugby. It's none of my business. But when the conversation becomes that loud, you kind of can't ignore it. Yeah, I've actually found it. They were upset, but they thought it was our fault because there was a debate over whether a tackle was dangerous or not. <laughs> so this was a whole conversation and suddenly it was, this isn't controversial. It's just the pros, same idiots that made a fuss about our logo. <laughs> we're like, we're just out here trying to live. We're just, we're just out here. We're just one of the same things as you do, guys. We just want to watch the rugby, have some beers, you know, watch our teams win, like, and also play, but also player welfare is really important. <laughs> but no, that wasn't us. Whatever, whatever it was. It wasn't us. Well, it sounds like a challenge. Now that could be next. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, so when is the, the new branding set to, are they sort of making this big changeover in the summer during the off season? Yes. Is that what's going to happen? Yeah. So uh, July. So that, cause you're not allowed to change the branding mid season. Oh, okay. Um, so they, yes, it'll be, um, yeah, July. So, uh, due to end, I think the premiership final is in June. So yeah, once that's all done, um, and dusted, they'll start the whole thing. And hopefully, you know, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet. You know, they've announced the new logo, Obviously, they've not said anything since then. Um, right. But there. I think they, they've, they've mentioned a couple of times how much it's going to cost them. Yeah, many a times. Although there is an interview with Tony Rowe from last year where he says money isn't an issue. If the um, member sells, we have to change, then we'll change. So ah. I like to bring that one out every time someone says, I hope you're going to be donating £500,000 to Extra Chiefs. Um, we didn't then mention all of the kind of profiteering that they've made off the back of indigenous imagery and maybe they should be doing some kind of donation or apology. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so, um, yes, so we know that there's going to be a new logo. So the new logo will obviously go on all of the, the sort of kits and, and the flags and everything and, and the side of the, the building where the logo is. So I imagine, like, because there are kits now, um, there's always kind of like, indigenous like artwork kind of things mm. kind of on, like the patterns are very kind of in line with with the logo and, and all of that imagery so I imagine it'll be similar there'll be more kind of iron age style kind of patterns on the kits and stuff but there's a number of things you know at Sandy Park itself you know what they're going to change so they all have to change the names of all the bars if they are going to go the full thing and like ditch all of the imagery you know all of the bars are called like the Cherokee bar, the Mohawk bar. I mean, um, will, will that be up to them though? Or are those separate businesses that will- No, you know... so, they're, no so they're bars in the ground. Oh, they are, okay, okay. Yeah, so they're like, um, yeah, like, I guess they're more like trucks really. But like, yeah, but as a part, but as a part of their official facility. It's in the official facilities, yeah. So they've, they've got that. Um, there's also, you know, their online website is called the Trading Post. You know, is that gonna change? Mm. Um, are they still going to play the tomahawk chop over the tannoy when people score tries when they come out onto the pitch? Um, they've got like totem poles and loads of sort of totem carvings and things like in their sort of reception area. There's a lot of, you know, like indigenous artworks and, and or like, you know, fake indigenous artworks and things, mm. you know, that all going to change. So there's a lot of sort of questions still to come, you know, I think with the tomahawk chop, obviously, you know, it takes to change fan behavior will be much more difficult, but the club could, you know, help by not, you know, playing the Tomahawk Trot. Right. You know, we've had some people, discussions of like, oh, well, we'll just rename it. We'll call it the Exeter Chop. And like, you know, like obviously that <laughs> it's still the Tomahawk Chop. They're like, oh. I, I, th I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, although they're saying, oh, we, we won't, um, it won't be the Tomahawk Chop because we're just going to sing Exeter to the same tune. So like, no, that, that <laughs> all the Tomahawk Chop. <laughs> Oh man. Um, so, so you know, so I think you know, while the logo and and the bar names and and things will change, I think you know there'll still be potentially a, a bit of a longer kind of journey in terms of getting rid of stuff like the tomahawk chop 
them because that's their chant you know it's done it's difficult if you don't have another chant because you want to like cheer and support your team so there's going to need to be some work to like come up with a new chant that's definitely not the tomahawk shop or a variation thereof um so i think you know that that's something that will be yeah ongoing so as is the, like when something like this happens and there is a major rebranding as you say, there's going to be some people who just don't like the idea of change at all. There's going to be people, people who are just like, I, I like it the way it is. Why are you telling me it has to be different? Mm. But it does eventually move the general yeah. opinion. Um, do you think, you know, in a couple of years, if a fan shows up to see the Chiefs play and comes wearing a, a headdress, for instance, mm. will it be that somebody has to be like, hey, you take that off right now? Or will it be more like, everyone in this stadium is going to know that you look like kind of an idiot right now. And so we're going to let yeah. you just feel like that. So I think, yeah, I think it'll be more like the second. I mean, personally, I would love to see Exeter, you know, ban them. Mm. I think that's very, very unlikely. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, if a couple of seasons down the line, you know, they've got this new branding, I think we will see people in helmets and, and things like that. I think they'll move more towards that. And I think the thing is, it's like, if you're going to start getting new fans, you know, in that time, people can be like, why is that idiot wearing a headdress? <laughs> like, mm. no, because headdresses in the UK, you know, they're banned from a lot of like major music festivals and things. So like, you can't wear them to Glastonbury. Because really? of course, yeah, yeah. So because it is widely accepted that it's not okay to wear headdresses. Oh, wow. I'm an extra fan. Um, and, you know, people are called out on it. And, you know, if people are wearing them in music videos and things or, yeah, and like, yeah, so for example, Glastonbury, which is like, you know, one of the biggest festivals in the UK, you're not allowed to wear them. I never so knew I, that. And yeah, the, yeah. I think it was actually Glasgow Warriors who, who they issued a statement before yeah, playing Exeter and they said, you know, please, if you want to come, come, but please leave your stupid headdresses at home. And so did Wasps and so did Bath. Oh, that's good. I think yeah. Glasgow were first, though, I'm pretty sure. Uh, wasps were first, then Bath. Then oh, Glasgow. that's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, did it work? Actually, I never. I, I heard that that had happened ahead of time, and then I never heard anyone say so, yes, and that kept them away. Or so I didn't end up going to the extra game because my partner had COVID. Um, but from what I know, there was no headdresses worn. I know that they did try and sing the tomahawk chop, which they were also asked not to do, but were um, booed for doing so. Nice. But apparently it wasn't bad because they were singing the words Exeter to the tune of the Tomahawk Drop. <laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved. <laughs> so, <sighs> are, so will this be an, a celebration for you? Are you going to go see them this year? Or maybe are you going to save it for the beginning of next season and show up for that first day of the new brand? Well, we are considering that. We did think about, um, yeah, like everyone getting down and going together. Um, yeah, so we had like a celebration last weekend, which everyone was meant to be at, but then there was like massive storms. And so only five right. of us managed to be there. Um, it took me 12 hours to get to Exeter. Oh, jeez. So much fun. Um, and then I ended up having to fly back because I literally couldn't leave De uh, Devon by any other way. Wow. Um, <laughs> the storm was not great. Um, but yeah, so we're planning like another kind of reunion in summer where hopefully everyone can get together. Um, but yeah, we're considering um, yeah going to a game together um, with the new with the new branding. And I know that there will be a lot of merchandise being bought by the extra fans in the in the group. <laughs> uh, yeah, so definitely. Excited. <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm gonna like start saving now for when all of the new merch comes. Well, um, it's funny too. It's a weird question, but. Is the old merchandise going to become more valuable when it suddenly becomes unavailable? I, I, I worry I that they will. Be, I worry that people will be like, "Ooh, you know." It's really interesting. It's really interesting, and um, because yeah, I don't really know. I mean, Glasgow Warriors rebranded not because of any controversy, um, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that the old kit has any more value now than than the new kit does. Um, I, I have to say, I'm still a little. A little dicey on the new Glasgow Warrior guy. Yeah. He's yeah. just, a, it, it's so clearly Yosemite oh. Sam that <laughs> it's hard to take it very seriously. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, no, I don't know. I don't think so. I think, you know, when the air is cleared at the end of the day, it's just a logo change. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that logo isn't really going to go anywhere. You know, we 
you can't expect all the fans to buy new merchandise um, and stuff like that. So I think we'll still see that logo for a while yet. Um, it, it is funny in, in rugby. There's there's this extra pressure to have the most current kit yeah. because of the, the changing sponsors and stuff. And I've yeah, I've yeah, noticed yeah. the tendency of people be like, oh, he he still got the blah 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 logo. Yeah. That must be from three years ago. Like because American teams don't have that major sponsor mm -hmm. right smack dab mm -hmm. in the middle of the chest. You can pretty yeah. much get one jersey and keep it for ten years. And yeah, you know. right, right, yeah. So yes, yeah, so I think there will be. I think that we'll, there will be like a lot of new kit next season because I think you know some people haven't been buying kit um and anyway who doesn't love new kit new logo you know new branding it's fun you're going to get the shirt to match your new um helmet that you're going to be wearing to the games um so i think yeah i think it'll be yeah you'll still see that shirt around for a while but um i suspect it will only be on, on fans with the new logo and the new helmet and stuff it occurs to me kfc might be a great sponsor for them because they could do the the bucket head thing and you just use the kfc buckets for the helmets i think well that's it's an interesting thing about the sponsors as well because extra is like primarily sponsored by local businesses mm. so like you'll notice that like a lot of the other teams like saracens for example you know have these like really big like global sponsors but extra is like really sponsored by very like local businesses um some of whom might also be owned by Tony Rowe, the owner yes. of Extra. Um, you know, that's a whole conversation to be had um, about, you know, the power behind Extra Chiefs. But um, but yes, yeah, so I think it's, it'll be interesting. You know, there's that conversation of like, you know, they were literally preaching on Twitter, like, does anyone want to be our shirt sponsor? You know, and given that that was a team who six months earlier, you know, won in Europe and won the premiership, you know, they shouldn't be hawking for sponsors on Twitter. Um, so well, maybe... It it wasn't wasn't that in a way uh, because of your organization and the and the conversation that had been started uh, it, it felt like when the, when the time came for a new sponsor the people yeah. who would normally be lining up were like actually we're going to wait until you tell us maybe something yeah. new here so i think yeah so hopefully that will make extra more you know um I've forgotten the word attractive to you know potential larger sponsors because I don't know if you've seen like while you're watching the game today X kit like there's a lot of sponsors on there yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're all like small local businesses which is great you know because it really shows how much a part of the community they are but um yeah it's also nice to have bigger sponsors mm. so Thank you again so much for joining me today. I really appreciate the time. Um, I really appreciate all the hard work you and the others did to, to make this happen. Uh, I, I I sent you a message that, that day when that video came out mm -hmm. with their new branding, I was just blown away. It, was, it yeah. felt like the first real sort of ray of sunshine piece of good news I had Watch heard in just day. a long time and That's just blew me away. It was fantastic. And uh, I, you, you just must be so happy and so proud of the hard work you've done. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been amazing. And, you know, yes, so proud of everything we've done and, um, you know, pulled together, you know, in the middle of a pandemic using literally Google and Slack, you know, and a couple of Zoom calls. And but also just, it was just the right thing to do, you know, and I'm glad it didn't take longer than it did <laughs> to mm. get there. But, you know, for everyone who had been sort of campaigning alongside us, so thinking about, you know, the, the people in the natives in the UK group, anything that we can do that makes the UK a slightly nicer place to live for marginalised people is so important. Mm. That's the snowflake warrior in me. <laughs> Coming out to play there. <laughs> well, it's funny because people always love to accuse people like me as well. Like, uh, you know, if you seem like, you make a point of pointing out things that are offensive. Mm. They assume that means you're very, very upset. Like people always sort of call us hand wringing and oh, yeah, you're getting yeah. your, your panties in a bunch and all that. And I'm like, I'm not wringing my hands about this. I know. I'm just pointing it out. Know. <laughs> you know, it, it's you guys who are wringing your hands and getting upset. Like, Why are you so offended? I was like, I'm not actually offended. Like I, I know you, but I'm actually not offended. I'm pointing out that actually this is really damaging and offensive to a like already like very marginalized group of people. Yeah. I personally, I'm not sitting crying. <laughs> I know that's what you think I'm doing. I'm just trying to make the world a slightly nicer place. And yeah, I'm the, sorry. I feel like that's where the confusion is. You can describe something as being offensive without actively being like, oh, oh no, about it. I know. I don't like faint every time I pass something that's like mildly not woke. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry that I just don't want people to be unhappy. Like, I don't see why this is such a bad thing. <laughs>
Well, this was incredible news. Uh, as I said, thank you so much for joining me just to talk about it and share this story with my listeners as well. Um, it, it's hard to find hardcore rugby fans in the United States. And so it's, <laughs> it's very likely that people had never even heard of this whole thing. No, I know. Well, here we are. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> this is the story of Exeter Chiefs. Um, not, they've not got an offensive brand anymore. So uh, yeah, go and support them. It'd be great. But also support Glasgow Warriors. <laughs> so, and and I, I do have to ask, as a Scottish person, are you are you feeling okay today? Did you did you have to maybe? Yesterday was. <laughs> yesterday was not a good day. Yesterday was terrible. Do you know being a Scotland fan is actually the worst? <laughs> Every year we go into the Six Nations because we've got such a good team right now. We've got the best yeah. team that we have had in such a long time. And every year we go into the Six Nations, and we're like, this is it. This is the year. We're going to win the Six Nations. You know, not get a grand slam because, you know, let's just, you know, reel that in a bit. Right. First things first. Win the Six Nations. Or, you know, we might even come like second, you know. And then we had that first win against England and we're like, yes, it's going to happen. And then we played Wales. We're like, oh, God. And then yesterday happens and the dream is dead. The dream is dead. I don't yeah. know why we get our hopes up every single year. Um, Wales felt crazy. Wales felt winnable. Yeah. France did not. That, no, that... Those, no. I mean, you know, the French team are incredible. And I would not be surprised at all if they were to go on and win the World Cup next year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, brutal day to be a Scotland fan, I have to say. It's, it's difficult because you're like almost in awe of how incredible France are, but also yeah. as the flies just kept rolling in, <laughs> I didn't even enjoy the fact that it was players in my fantasy team scoring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been predicting here that France will win their home World Cup yeah. for sure. Uh, I, I, I also said nobody's winning a Grand Slam this year, and now I think I might be super wrong about that. Cause... Yeah, I think I'm not sure. So I'm not sure. Only Ireland, I think, could beat France. I think so too. And and France look like they keep getting better too. Like they, you see them one week and you're like, wow, they're incredible. And then next week they're better. It's, it's like frightening. Yesterday was a masterclass. They were so good. And he, so good. Dupont, when he at one point was started way back in his own territory and it turned into a try mostly because of his footwork, but then he also put out that vicious fan and it just doesn't look like a guy that size should be that strong. He is the most, yeah, he is quite, he's quite something really, isn't he? He's, very very special i really wish he had a scottish grandmother because we would take, <laughs> exactly. him. We would take him but sadly sadly it's not he's not it's not to be but my god yeah yesterday was miserable well i, I follow tons of leagues but I, and i've complained about it here a lot in the united states you can't watch the the top 14 i just have no way to watch the french league at all yeah. and it must be so exciting like I, the... well it's on so you can can you not access premier sports nope oh that's really irritating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's uh people have said, oh, just go on YouTube and stuff, but like hunting for matches on YouTube is a nightmare. And even even when you do find it, it's likely that the title will have the final yeah. score in it. And you're yeah, like, okay, yeah. well. There so. we go. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. We try and watch a bit because you know we've got Finn Russell who plays for Exactly. Russell. I wish I could see he him more than once every six nations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's always exciting. Because he played at Glasgow Warriors as well, of course. Um, and so it's always exciting to watch to watch him and be like, is it going to be genius? Is it going to be dreadful? Well, just recently there was this uh, talk. Uh, so, so somebody like put out a rumor that Stuart Hogg was going to be leaving Exeter, and then he came out and so vehemently denied yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also issued that vague statement about I am absolutely committed till the end of my contract, which is up <laughs> in like three months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which immediately so, made everyone speculate he's definitely out of he's there. Definitely Do, yeah I don't know I think um I'm not yeah I think I think he could do well in France um I think you know that's the thing like we won the league you know with a team with Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg and Johnny Gray and that was the last time we won the league um mm. but you, you know and but they have become better players since leaving Glasgow you know I will give them that you know it has mm. been amazing to see that development and see their growth on the kind of international stage um, so, so yeah, it, it was a little bit sad because, you know, they were sort of like born and bred in Glasgow, you know, they rose up yeah. through, through Glasgow and, you know, it's sad to see them go, but it, it is, you know, the better for them as players. And I can't wait till they come back to retire at Glasgow. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've heard people speculating that, uh, that Stewie will end up, uh, playing at Racing with Finn, which I think is probably just, uh, 
wouldn't that be nice kind of yeah, hope yeah. but on one hand i'm like oh that'll be great on the other hand that means i'll never see them, like, never see them. <laughs> that's it they're gone they're just scotland <laughs> Well, as I say, Elena, you're, thank you so much for your time. You, you've carved out an hour of your busy schedule to talk to me today, and I really appreciate it. It's been fantastic. Um, congratulations on the success of this campaign. This 20 months, you've uh, you know absorbed a lot of abuse and a lot of <laughs> flack coming your yeah. way. And, uh, and something actually positive came out of it. A, a real big positive change actually has happened, and uh, we're about to see the fruits of that. It was worth every single person I had to block. But <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much for for yeah for having me. And yeah, if people want to find out more about what we did, you know, we've got our website, which is just extrachiefsforchange.org. And um, yeah, you can find out more about the the history of the campaign because the campaign is now done. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Well, naturally, I'll be linking your website and anything else I can find in my show notes. And I'm probably also going to, you know, try to find something about Exeter and its own history and stuff like that. Yeah, to, you absolutely. know, because this, this is a great club that I want to see be mm. be a, a club that I feel good rooting for. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, I'm going to let you go. Thank you again so much for joining the Scrum of the Earth today. I hope to talk to you soon. And uh, you're glad, your Warriors are ahead of Edinburgh now on the, the URC table. So I wish them a lot of success this year, too. Thank you very much. <laughs> talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Well, my friends, that does it for this very special bonus pod. I ho hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Get in touch with me whenever you, and however you'd like. I'm on Twitter, at of Scrum. I'm on Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And you can always just send an email to the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Uh, it's always great to hear from you, so please do. Everybody, once again, thank you all for listening all over the world. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And be well. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will.